Welcome, valued listeners, to the Lose All Your Money podcast. I'm Silent Rob. I'm here with your chief money loser, Jay Swa, coming at you live March 15th, 2022. Today, we're going to be talking about March Madness, along with a little tip for me on how to lose all your money. Jay Swa, what's going on with you, dude? Are you stoked for March Madness? I am. I am. Beware, obviously, uh, of the Ides of March, which we are recording on. I'm, I'm ecstatic. Thursday starts the, the real tournament, and it's also St. Patty's Day, so you have a real a degenerate eclipse, as we're calling it in the biz, mm. where the first day of March Madness, the, the real first day of March Madness tournament is St. Patrick's Day. So, And we have a two-hour delay on our two-hour early dismissal on Thursday, and I'm taking off Friday and Monday. So to say that I'm excited would be a bit of an understatement. Wow. Wow. Uh, everyone in, I'm just going to say Metro DC, just be on the lookout. Yeah. For several General reasons. warning. For several reasons. Absolutely. But yeah, dude, I'm excited to talk a little shop with you. And yeah, we've got some stuff lined up and, and I think I have a lot of actual information. It's not going to be the sexiest stuff that people want to hear. People want to hear the locks, the sleepers, the, the 15th seed that goes all the way. But you know, we, we've talked about that nauseum. That's not what we're going to do here. It's going to be a little bit more a little bit more boring by the book, but it is a plus EV plus expected value decision that you know we're going to help you out with. And, and if you want to roll those dice and you want to be a losing gambler, that's fine. Join our pool, of course. There is a bounty if you somehow help. Yeah, there is a bounty if you somehow beat my best bracket or someone you recommend and collect from. Not that we're playing for real American dollars or anything, but if you collect fake tokens and turn them into me for fake tokens for the entry fee and you somehow do beat me you will get a bounty or the person you refer beats me you will get a bounty as well but yeah that's obviously not happening i'm your chief money loser here and yeah before we get to the the nitty-gritty what's the lesson for us if it's the same one you shared with me yesterday i was i was cracking up with it but we're all ears it is this week's way to lose all your money is a fun one i learned this from an attorney that I had lunch with last week, we were talking about the topic of asset protection. Asset protection is like an esoteric kind of planning thing that's for rich people to kind of prepare themselves for lawsuits is really, really what that term means. But he regaled me with a fun little anecdote about the opposite of asset protection, which is really just um, uh, how to lose your money. And this was a great one. So imagine that you own a business and it's profitable and it's worth a lot of money. Say it's a you know an NFT marketplace or a medical practice or you know a bodega. I don't care. A profitable business, you own it. And you, being a tax conscious person, you're like, you know what? I'm sick of all these taxes that I'm paying. I'm an American. I deserve to lower my tax bill. I'm going to put my car in the business so that I can get deductions. And I can, you know, lend the car out to myself as an employee and take the maximum tax benefit on this car. And I'm going to do it for everyone in my family as well. That's great because congratulations, you've, you've secured maybe a few thousand bucks of deductions off your taxes. Congratulations. You're brilliant. However, what you've done from a, from a risk perspective is you've commingled the worst risk that you have, which is you're driving down the highway, maybe in your cute little red Porsche, or worse yet, you have your teenager driving down the, the, the streets 
in whatever car you got for them. And you have commingled that asset because it's owned by your business. So your riskiest vector, which is you driving in the car, which people get sued for constantly. There's a reason you see all these billboards everywhere or personal injury lawyers. It's because they're trying to sue the shit out of someone who put their damn car attached to their profitable asset heavy business. So this week's way to lose all your money is to attach all your riskiest behavior to your most valuable assets and then pay up from a liability standpoint for the privilege of having done so. That's this week's little tip on how to lose all your money. Yeah. Tail events, they do occur. And that's really not even a tail event. That's just like a like the 20th percentile of, of what could happen. So yeah, always think of downside, especially if you are said successful business person, you know, saving $2,000 to potentially lose millions upon millions of dollars slash your livelihood, as well as most likely your prestige, pride, and probably whomever you love, all of your wives, mm-hmm. ex-wives, things of that nature. But yeah, while you were mentioning about successful business, I, I forgot to share with people that I am essentially opening a digital pawn shop. And you know, you, you said successful business. I just cannot imagine commingling my most successful future business, which is obviously going to be this online pawn shop with my dumbass teenage son 15 years down the road here. Or I guess my we've talked about this, my potential stepdaughter who might be in my life in mm-hmm. at least 18 to, to 24 months. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's why we do this. Uh, but yeah, any thoughts on my loaning, my NFT loans, funding NFT loans, Rob? I was really close to potentially getting collateral on this really this LeBron James NFT. I think it's the top, the best Top Shot moment. It's the Kobe tribute, but I couldn't get my funds moved over fast enough. I was trying to borrow, mm-hmm. borrow ETH via Twitter DMs and I got out halfway there and then it, it got funded. But yeah, any questions, potential pitfalls? I see this as foolproof. Yeah. You know, the exciting thing about DeFi generally and lending is this opening of a different type of access. I have a blog post in my IRL world called Explain Like I'm Five Debt Versus Equity. And the ability for you to take a debt position, meaning a lending position against collateral that is blockchain stuff is pretty cool. And it's expanding quickly. And that's a huge area of innovation and profit and hopeful, hopefully cool stuff coming down the pike. As an investment, honestly don't love it, mostly because I don't think that you're in almost any scenario, like at less than 1% chance, in my opinion, that you actually get the NFT that you're so excited about. If you really like an NFT's risk reward or pricing, you take an equity position, not a debt position. I know that's hard to do when they're you can't break them into multiple pieces, right? There's only one and you either have to you pay 300 grand or whatever. That's why the fractional, like I'd rather see you in fractional equity positions, like, oh, I own one-tenth of this awesome NFT that I'm super stoked on compared to a debt position, which is, oh, I own, you know, I've lended money on this. And if it defaults, then this cascade of things happens. And then I can maybe take it just capped upside on your debt position. Cause I think the likelihood of you actually getting it is very low. Yeah, that's well said. And honestly, I, I jumped into it just for the actual NFT and the chance that I could somehow get this for about 10% of what it, the highest end it's gone for. But a big reason too is just learn by doing. I, I don't expect to get this back, but you know, hey, getting a five or six percent loan over half a year or something like that, 
I'll take that while I learn, have a little skin in the game and whatnot. You're but, a banker now, dude. Yes, I'm a banker. But also the other end is I do have a decent amount still in Top Shot. So if Top Shot were to go off, go crazy, the person's obviously not going to default on this. Well, then at least I do have the upside of the other holdings I have. But yeah, we'll report on that. This all came together in a matter of two or three days. Our buddy, Emotional Hickama, who was our, our guest, our first guest in the first episode, he was... Him, the CEO or co-founder and myself were on a, a three-way call and we almost made this happen. But yeah, I'll keep everybody posted. But yeah, let, let's get to what everyone's talking about. March Madness, this degenerate eclipse starting actually tonight with one of the playing or two of the playing games, but really starts Thursday on St. Patrick's Day. Happy St. Patrick's Day to you, Rob. Are you even Irish? Because you look Irish, but are, are you even Irish? I have no idea. I'll take that as a Yes. Well, happy St. Patrick's Day to you. What are your two cents about the bracket? Before I dive in with all my logic and reasoning, what's, what's an every man's opinion of, of March Madness, how you're approaching it, thoughts? Mm, yeah, March Madness is – dude, I'm not the every man perspective. I don't know. March Madness is wild. The most fun part, like picking is fun, guessing is fun. The games are the best part by a good bit. I have not watched this this year, like last year, I have not watched very much college basketball. So I'm getting a little, I'm doing that thing that everyone does where we're like, oh shit, who's in the bracket? Who's like, you know, try to, try to scramble together some last minute opinions, which are trash and, you know, a, a product of maybe like 15, 18 minutes of Googling. Gotcha. So very similar to my my NFT decisions, it sounds like. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. And the biggest thing I, that you, you talked about there is at least you know that it is random and it's just a two-hour spin of the wheel. And that's really what it is. A couple of things I want to go over is first and foremost, know the rules of your bracket. So if you're in the bracket that Rob and I are doing, know if there's an, an upset bonus. There is not an upset bonus in this, in our bracket, but you want to be able to know that because if there's a pick them, if the spread is a pick them between an eight and a nine, if you're an upset bonus, obviously there's inherent value on picking the nine because you get the bonus with the upset. Number two is how are the points awarded? Do they go up in, you know, do they double? Do they triple? Do they, how does that work? For us, each game doubles each round. So that way there's always the same amount per week, but obviously, it shows you that the importance of keeping your final four national championship, uh, national runner-ups alive just for those points possible. Another thing I want to mention is people know that they're going to be upsets, but the trick is picking them. I think there's a cognitive bias that people have where they know, like everyone wants to root for the upsets. They know March Madness, they think of upsets. So they will put too many upsets over in their brackets. Whereas, so you know, hey, I picked eight upsets and I, I picked two of them. It's kind of like those stock pickers, right? Who, hey, man, I called this, I called that. Where it's like, well, you also got six of them wrong. You no way are you going to win your bracket. But yeah, you you called those two upsets. So just you know, if you're playing to win, on average, going a little bit more chalkier is better. And then, what is, hold on, hold on, short, hold up. So explain that last mm-hmm. sentence. On average, it's better to be chalkier. What does that mean? It's just boring is is a little bit better. So you're not going to win the first weekend being boring, but you're going to lower your risk of, you know, losing your your champion, your semifinal, if you're a little bit more boring. Now, it also depends on the tournament you're in. If you're in a large field tournament, then you're going to need to pick upsets. But 
for example, I'm expecting probably 30 to 40 brackets to be in our bracket. You don't need to go crazy to win in that one. You don't need to separate yourself that much. So what, what I mean by that is people want to pick upsets, right? Just like people want to pick the right crypto stock, right? Or cryptocurrency or the right stock. And that's great. But if you you know, split up your money in between 10 different cryptocurrencies and you get one that does really well, but the other nine do terribly. Yeah. You get to say, Oh, I earned, you know, I bought this at so-and-so, but you know, your other nine went to zero, you know? And so I, it's probably not the best example in the world, but you know, no, it is, it's a big survivorship bias and there's low, there's low downside to being like a predictor, like making a call mm-hmm. on social media, very easy to, delete all the losers and stuck yep. with, oh, look at the timestamp on my great prediction and yep. not have it in the better, in the broader context of, you know, how'd you actually perform in your brackets, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. It's the, you know, missing the forest for the trees type of thing, but that survivorship bias is good because we're going to talk about that when we look at a, a couple of teams here. Uh, another thing is, is, you know, there's nine, or excuse me, there's 64 teams and they're playing in 16 different tournaments. That's the way I look at it. So there's 16 teams playing in 16 different tournaments. So this weekend, you know, there's four teams to a tournament. And then if there's one advancer of those four teams and those 16 move on to four different tournaments the following weekend, the winners of those four tournaments then make it to the final four. And that's important when you're looking not only at the first games, but the second games and potential paths to who can actually win this and and things of that nature. Game theory, these two statements are both true. They might sound counterintuitive, but they're both true. Gonzaga is the best team in the tournament, but picking Gonzaga to win in a vacuum, picking Gonzaga to win the national championship is a negative EV decision to try to win your bracket. And we kind of talked about this last year. Do you want me to go into details with that, Rob, or do you kind of remember why that is? I'll try to explain it. I think it's Mm -hmm. because if you are going to differentiate from anyone else, you could say that their price is too high to pick them. So it's not priced well because everyone is likely to pick them. Is that fair? Yeah. So the market's implying that there's about like a 15, maybe 20% chance that they're going to win it. But over 20% of your bracket is going to pick them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it just doesn't line up. So that it's kind of like a, a roulette spin, right? I think they give you 35 to one if your number hits, but it only happens one out of 37 times. So yeah, you get a big payout, 35, but you know, in the long run, you're going to lose because you don't get paid out enough, if that makes sense. So yeah, with all that in mind, we're going to go region by region. I'm not going to give my necessarily all my picks. I'm just going to, and I'll be honest with you. So last year, I didn't even expect there to be a college basketball tournament. So I didn't watch a lot of basketball and then I've kind of turned into to NFT boy and whatnot. And that's kind of filled in a lot of my, my winter time. But I did win the bracket last year and it's almost better to watch less basketball as long as you kind of implement these, these principles that I've had to learn the hard way from, you know, I used, Rob remembers this. I used to watch so much college basketball and that's all I did for in the winter time. And then, you know, I've kind of had us, if you want to call any of the last two years normal, I've had a little bit more of a normal balance, but I've learned all those principles from those years of watching, you know, those games. And really you can fool yourself by like, Oh, I follow this team so closely. And it's like, you know, now you're just fooling yourself. You just are more familiar with this team. It doesn't, you know, you don't really have, like, excuse me, you, you have seen this team more, but it doesn't really give you the insight. You know, you have your biases is impacting you more than, you know, your actual scouting or insight. 
is helping, if that makes any sense. That being said, I'm very unlikely to win again this year, but I'm going to put two brackets in and I suggest you do the same. That's First of all, that's the best game theory thing you can do is build two brackets that are not that similar. Probably should not, they, they definitely should not have the same champion and don't pick them to get like, you know, one to get first and the other one to get the second. You kind of want to pick one to kind of bomb. And if that one bombs and there's a better chance than not that the other one's going to do a lot better, if that makes any sense. But Hey, you put in the the 25, you know, monopoly dollars, you do whatever you want to do. Anything your theory, Rob, before I go region by region, or are we ready to take a look at this thing? My theories are as good as what's printed on the newspaper, which is not good at all. So hit it. In reference to non-basketball related things? Yeah, maybe a bad, maybe like a National Enquirer. <laughs> gotcha. Like a, like a less reputable outlet. Got, well, that's how I start my day every day watching that but, or reading that. But anyways, let us start with Baylor's uh, bracket, which is the East. And like I said, you break up the 64 teams into 16 tournaments, and the East has four of these tournaments. So starting at the top there, we have Baylor. Ken Palm has them as the fifth best team. They're a 21.5 point favorite against the potential 16 team, which I did absolutely no research on because there's really no point. They're going to be playing either UNC or Marquette. UNC name recognition, usually with an 8-9 like this, I would go Marquette. But UNC is a four-point favorite, and they're a four-point favorite for a good reason. They just beat Duke on the road in Coach K's last game. So that's one where game theory-wise, all things being equal, I would take Marquette just because the average person is going to go UNC. But most likely we'll have UNC in that one. Then in that bracket, we have St. Mary's playing the winner of Wyoming and Indiana, who play either tonight or tomorrow. They're projecting St. Mary's to be somewhere between a two to four-point favorite. Uh, St. Mary's are a really good defensive team. And to win a single game, being a really good defensive team is, is, is great. It's fine. But that survivorship bias, you know, if you're, you're trying to pick a team to win potentially six games to win a tournament, they have to have a good offense as well because – you know, even if you have a great defense, if you're going to win six games, one of those six games, at least the team you're playing is going to shoot lights out. So you're going to have to have a good offense. So really what I'm looking for from a champion or at least a team to go far is a balanced team. So you want to be top 10 if possible. You want to be as high as possible in both, but top 10, top 15 in both Kempom offensive rating and Kempom defensive rating. If you had to pick one, you want to be slightly better in offense rather than defense, just because if you have a good offense, you're never out of a game. Whereas, you know, if you have a great defense, you might fall behind early and your great defense can only help so much. Yes, it limits the, the other team, but it kind of limits your upside if that makes any sense. But balance, if you can't have balance, you'd rather have better offense than defense. But not being able to play good defense also, of course, leaves you susceptible to a team coming back on you or, or shooting really well, things of that nature. So long story short, I don't really like St. Mary's to make any major moves like long term, but they definitely should be favored whomever they play, whether that's Wyoming or Indiana. The real story in this side of the bracket is UCLA, the four seed. Ken Palm has them the eighth best team. They're a 14-point favorite against Akron. I really like UCLA. Now, this is something you need to factor in as well. A lot of the people that will be in our bracket are, are going to be West Coast-based, so I don't necessarily love taking a UCLA position here, but this is something that I will have UCLA to make the Sweet 16 bet and – I'll probably have one bracket where I have them maybe going to the final four. 
Another thing to note is that Wyoming-Indiana playing game affects that UCLA price for the Sweet 16. Indiana is a four-point favorite against Wyoming as the 12 seed. So if Wyoming were to beat St. Mary's, that would help the UCLA cause because obviously there's a, probably a 30 to 35% chance of Wyoming playing UCLA. So if Indiana were to win that game, obviously the, the likelihood of Indiana upsetting UCLA would be slightly higher. Anything from that, those first two tournaments in the East. So that's we kind of cut the East in half and did that top side of it. But the two tournaments, the Baylor tournament and the St. Mary's UCLA tournament, anything that jumps out to you, any questions? You're a fucking shark, dude. Fucking knowing the geography of who you're playing against and pricing that in. You're fucking it's dirty, dude. No, no, no. I, I actually didn't. No, I no, I, no, no, no. I really don't think I mentioned anything about geography. When did I talk about geography? You said everyone in the brackets from the West Coast, so UCLA is going to be higher priced in terms of yeah. your opponent's picks. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. You're talk- I thought you – yes, 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 yes. The people, yes. I thought you were talking about the, the teams. No, yeah. your opponents. Yeah. Yes, yes. That's game theory, baby. That's game theory. But anyways, yeah, that's the top half. The bottom half, we have Texas versus Virginia Tech. That's about a pick them, even though the Texas is a six seed. Virginia Tech is an 11 seed. Upset pools, you should definitely take Virginia Tech. And I'll probably just take Virginia Tech based on the, the fact that most people are going to look at a 6 and 11. Texas is a – you know, pretty big name school. I actually like their coach a lot, but he's, I think, first year in his coach, coaching there, Chris Beard. And VTech's kind of red hot right now. West Coast bracket, definitely going to go VTech in that one. Purdue versus Yale. Purdue has, if not the best, a top three offense, but they have a really bad defense. Their offense should be plenty fine against Yale as a 15 and a half point favorite. These teams that are very unbalanced, so have a really good offense and a bad defense, as Purdue does. There's Iowa and a couple other teams I'll mention. I really like to look to live bet these teams. So if they come out and they don't shoot well, especially if the shots are good, but they're not going down, I like to bet them live. So if they're down five or six points, them being down five or six points is a lot different than you know a team like St. Mary's that we talked about if they're down five or six points. So that's just a little live bet angle to take a look at during the tournament. The next one is Murray State, the seven seed. It's about a pick them. It, actually, I see a couple places with San Francisco, the 10 seed being a little bit more favored. This kind of goes either way. It's, it's a coin flip. I'll probably have Murray State on one, San Francisco on the other one. And then finally, Kentucky. Kentucky is, actually has the best odds of this region to win the region as the two seed. Ken Palm has them as the third best team. Obviously, Kentucky's not going to sneak up on anybody, but that's just something to make note of is as the two seed, they actually have better odds to win the region. A 15 seed St. Peter's, they're an 18 point underdog against Kentucky. I haven't looked into that matchup too much, but you know, if Kentucky loses that, it is what it is. So most likely I've not made my brackets yet, but I'll probably have Kentucky in one bracket and UCLA in the other, just bang for your buck. I, I think Baylor's a great team, but as I've shown Rob, if you look at the order to win the region from the now, this is from the best sports book, international sports book. So you're gonna have regional biases. Like obviously, when you talk about Arizona, who's a one seed, you're gonna see different odds in Arizona, Rob, betting for or against Arizona because there's gonna be a little bit more money coming in. But the odds that I'm referencing here to win each region, that is based on the sports book that you can pretty much get the most down on internationally. So the best price to win the region is Kentucky at two to one, a little over two to one. The second best price is Baylor, the one seed at 370 
if you will. So 3.7 to one. Just behind them is Purdue, the three seed at 4.5 to one. And then UCLA at 4.7 to one. So kind of that cluster of Baylor, UCLA, and Purdue. We mentioned how I think Kentucky gives you the best bang for your buck. And I, UCLA kind of brings the most of the table. The geography thing would hold me back for UCLA. But another thing I like about UCLA is last year they did go to the Final Four. So I like having that continuality, having that experience of going to the Final Four. Anything about the East region or that second, that bottom half of the East region that we talked about? Got my picks, dude. I'm good. You got your picks? Yeah. I hear you. Are you doing one bracket or two? I'm doing two plus EV, dude. Come on. Okay. I'm just making sure. I, there's only like two or three people signed up so far. I know it is a West Coast bracket. Or not, excuse me, not signed up so far that have done two brackets so far, but it, it is a West Coast bracket where, you know, people Thursday morning will probably be signing up. But what can you do? The next one I want to take a look at was the West. And by looking at that, you have Gonzaga's bracket. Gonzaga is the best team in the tournament. They should be at least a four or five point favorite against anyone they play week or excuse me, the first round they play, they're a 23 point favorite against the 16 seed Boise versus Memphis in the eight, nine matchup. These are two teams I really wanted to bet on Boise playing in Portland. Not, not that far from Portland should have a, a good amount of fans. Uh, whereas Memphis is extremely athletic, but this is also Penny Hardaway's first NCAA tournament game. Leon Rice, the coach for Boise state, has been to the tournament several times as coach at Boise for 10, 12, maybe even 15 years. So if this is a bet that I might make if it continues to move towards Memphis's way. Right now it's a two and a half point spread. If they got up to three and a half or four, I would take Boise. But unfortunately, this is two teams I would wish I could bet on or pick. I'd probably chop this up in half, Boise or Memphis, but Boise doesn't have a chance of beating Gonzaga in the second round. Memphis has a very, very slight chance. But other than that, I wouldn't spend too much uh, picking hairs at this matchup. Then we have the UConn and New Mexico State matchup. UConn is a five seed, New Mexico State a 12 seed. UConn's only a six point favorite. This game is in Buffalo as well. So if you look at that geography wise and being a five over a 12, and it's only a six point spread, that's kind of a, a red flag to me. UConn rated as the 18th best team on Kenpom, New Mexico State the 81st. I would have reservations about taking UConn to go and you know kind of far in this one. Just not because I know anything about UConn. Just like I said, looking at that and it jumps out to me. Trying not to overthink that. And just for comparison's sake, the four thirteen matchup is Arkansas and Vermont. So Arkansas, the twentieth ranked team in Kempom. Vermont, the fifty ninth ranked team in Kempom. This game also in Buffalo. Vermont has one of the best mid major programs in the country. Then you have the geography here. My bold call for this side of the, or this half of the West region is either Vermont or New Mexico state will win. And I could see either one making it out of this little region here. I'll probably have Vermont in one and maybe Arkansas coming out of the other, just because of what we talked about between Yukon and Mexico state. I kind of want, I don't want a, a part of either, but yeah, anything from the top half of the West there, Rob, jump out to you. No, but you're making me think about this fucking bracket construction a lot, dude. And this little, god damn it, this is just like the yeah. I hope everybody's listening so we can take some of Jay's money. <laughs> but yeah, like I said in the beginning, this is not the stuff that people necessarily want. But I mean, this is this is proven ways to have, to have a plus expected value bracket. 
you know, you enter one of these brackets, it's a long shot. Don't be, you know, loss aversion is a real thing. Don't try to aim for fifth place. Oh, yeah, that's the other thing, the payout of your bracket. Our bracket, not that it's real money, of course, but for Monopoly money, it's first or last. So you're going through that top half. So there's no difference between second place and, and last place. So, yeah, don't be scared. Don't be scared here. The second part of the West, we have Alabama in the sixth seed, a very interesting sixth seed. They're the 25th ranked team in Kempom. Nate Oates is a really good coach. They play a really exciting brand of basketball. They beat uh, Maryland last year in the second round, really destroyed them. High up-tempo, shoot a lot of threes, very exciting basketball, but their team does not shoot the three-point well this year. So kind of an interesting tie with them. They're going to play the winners of Rutgers or Notre Dame. I don't think Notre Dame has much of a chance, but Rutgers is really well coached playing in the Big Ten, which, believe it or not, is the best basketball conference, Rob. I don't know if that's a Maryland thing or not. Also, Maryland didn't make the tournament, uh, had their worst year in, I think, 30 years, but I'm not bitter. It's all good. Texas Tech is the three seed, and they are a 15-point favorite against Montana State. Texas in this game is going to be really solid. They have probably the best defense in the nation. Ken Palm has them as the ninth best team, but their offense is almost down in the 70s, if not lower last time I checked. So I don't have Texas Tech going really far. No one's going to be excited to play Texas Tech, but reality is if somebody's going to get hot from three, Texas Tech's not going to put up enough points. You know, if you want to bet this game, I would bet the under and have some fun with that. The Michigan State-Davidson matchup, 7-10, might be my favorite matchup of the first round. I'm probably going to have... Either team win or both teams win in one bracket. And I'm going to have both teams advance past Duke. Michigan State, Tom Izzo, easy to root for, obviously. He's kind of come down to earth. Tom Izzo is kind of like the most common person knows that he's a great coach and you bet on him in March. And and with those expectations and any, you know, regression to the mean, he's kind of come back to the middle. But they still have a decent amount of athletes. They turn the ball over a good amount. But it's more about them playing Duke than anything else. Davidson, Bob McKellips, he's often a coach on Team USA. Davidson has a top 10 Ken Palm defense or offense, excuse me. And they're just, they play very smart basketball. And if they get hot, they can put up some points. So like I said, I like both teams here. If you're in an upset pool, definitely go with Davidson. Like I said, and a regular pool, I'm going to go one of each and be rooting very hard whoever wins that game against the 215 winner, which God willing will be Cal State Fullerton, but most likely be Duke as an 18 and a half point favorite. Duke's got a really good offense, but their their defense is rated 40th. They also have not been playing well down the stretch. They're led by a freshman, and a lot of times freshman-led teams don't do very well in the tournament. And, you know, I just want to root against Coach K for one last time. So I'm going to look to put a sizable bet in against Duke, and I'll talk about how you can do that various ways. One of which is you can say over-under wins for Duke in the tournament. I see two and a half. You can get for like minus 150. I'll have a bet in on that. And another way I'll have it is I'll probably have the best price future I can have for Michigan State and Davidson to win the region. And then just hope that Gonzaga loses on the other side of the region to cash that. But I'll probably hedge if we were able to do that. So yeah, anything from the the entire region or, or that bottom half that we just talked about there, Rob? Which game, you said Michigan State-Davidson, that's your favorite one from a betting perspective or watching perspective? Well, just watching perspective. I really like Davidson's program, Bob McKellips and whatnot, and Tom Izzo, Michigan State, I got tons of respect for. I, it's just one of those, really, I like Davidson, but I know that either team could give Duke a run for their money. 
So if Michigan State were to beat Davidson, I'm not going to be too upset about it because I think they, either team has a probably 30%, 35% chance of beating Duke. Cool. Oh, yeah, and that game is in South Carolina. So Duke's, mm. Duke's bullshit home advantage, if they were to play Davidson, would be at least somewhat nullified. One thing I want to note about this region is the ranking, similar to what we did for the first region, Gonzaga is the overwhelming favorite. They're the only team favored to win their region at minus 158. So you have to put $158 to win 100 for them to win this region. Second is Texas Tech at around 540. They're tied with Duke, the two seed at 540 to win. So if you put 100 down, you would get 540 back for both of them. And then Arkansas, the four seed, is 13 to 1. And that really says more about Gonzaga than it does about it does Arkansas. Arkansas is a decent program, but we also talked about the Catamounts. I really like Vermont, actually. I'm probably going to have them going in the Sweet 16 in one of my brackets. Yeah, Fade Duke. Fade Duke. It's the last time I do it against Coach K. And uh, hey, if I'm wrong, he proves me wrong. He proves me wrong. But uh, this Duke team, they got, they've got all the makings of, of a team that crumbles come March. So, you know, maybe Coach K gets me one last time, but, you know, we'll see you. We'll see it, Coach. Or, or maybe I'm just making everyone go anti-Duke and then I pick Duke in this bracket. It would be kind of sick if I did that. Yeah, that immediately occurred to me. <laughs> That'd be I pretty like, sick. Okay, Duke, yeah, advance it. Got it. <laughs> there you go. Well, I mean, if everyone were to listen to my advice, then yeah, that would be game theory, but it's fucking Duke. You know, everyone wants to root for them. Speaking of that, you got some Duke fans in the Mississippi area that you need to invite to this. We got we to gotta make this an old mess. <laughs> some Dukies? Yeah. Huh, League of Bardi is, is, oh, is a big Oh, LG, that's right. Yeah, come on now. Dan- Daniel Perry, come on, all these guys. Come on. D. Perry's a Duke guy. I could see it. I, maybe just because he looks like Daniel Jones, I don't know. But anyways, <laughs> let's look at... Let's look at the Midwest here. Kansas's bracket. They're the sixth overall team in Ken Palm, but they are the one seed. They're a 22-point favorite against the, the play-in 16 seed. Kansas will take care of business there. The eight seed, San Diego State. They're 22nd in Ken Palm, but their offense is actually rated the 157th offense. So do not take San Diego State to go very far. They are a two-and-a-half-point favorite against the nine seed, Creighton. That being said, if you're in an upset pool, I have no problem with you taking Creighton. It's just, I've been to San Diego State. I've partied there. That should be a final determination on, on these close games. If you've partied at that college, you should definitely be be rolling with that one. The 5C, we have Iowa. They're a 10 and a half point favorite against Richmond. Iowa just won the Big Ten. Dickie V picked Iowa to go to the National Championship game. So that should just be an immediate red flag that, you know, this is a team that's going to be overvalued. That being said, the game against Richmond opened nine points has already been moved up to 10 and a half. But this Richmond Spiders team, I think I'm going to take a position on them both at the plus 10 and a half and the money line and just to do what we talked about, which is just to wait for the time for when Iowa falls behind in the game and their offense being so good, we'll take that live bet and hopefully get a middle or potentially a money line. Let's say Richmond gets out to a big enough lead to do that. If you get boat rate, you know, if Iowa comes out and destroys it, well, you're going to lose that bet anyways. But if Richmond gets a little bit of a lead, you get to mitigate your risk a little bit. And then Providence, the worst four seed out there. Ken Palm has them as a 49 or the 49th best team in basketball. They're only a two-point favorite against the 13-seeded South Dakota State. Jack Rabbits, I believe, is their mascot. If you're in an upset pool, you definitely got to take South Dakota State. I think it's probably good for you to take South Dakota State in most brackets anyways. Now, 
you might galaxy brain yourself outthink it. Well, okay, if everyone's going to pick South Dakota State, then I'll pick Providence. No, people are just going to see the four versus the 13 and an overwhelming majority of people is going to pick the four with Providence. Yeah. How about the first half of the Midwest? Anything jump out to you in the beautiful Midwest? I know you're a Midwest guy. Big Midwest guy. No, hit it. I like the idea of just galaxy braining yourself to death. That's the real, there's no winners here if you just go too ham. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's why you just stick to the math. And if you go down, you know, just enjoy yourself. But yeah, bottom half is LSU. They are a four-point favorite against Iowa State. LSU is a really good defense, a little added caveat, as reported by Daniel Perry for a long time. Will Wade, their former coach, uh, was on the FBI's watch list for some illegal recruiting that finally came down. They just fired him from the coaching job. I've heard a lot of different spins on this since the assistant coaches are kind of more likely to be a part of the recruiting anyways, that maybe they'll play harder. Obviously, with that type of analysis, we're just grasping at straws here. I wouldn't read into too much of LSU or Iowa State. Feel free to take either there, even though LSU is the four-point favorite. Wisconsin, a seven-and-a-half-point favorite against Colgate. Seven-and-a-half points is, is really not a lot for a three-versus-four team matchup. Wisconsin is the 34th best team, according to Ken Palm. Colgate sitting at 119. Wisconsin is the lowest ranked team in Ken Palm for the three seed. And that's notable in itself, but it's also notable because Wisconsin, their brand of basketball is very high efficiency. And, and usually the analytics and Ken Palm itself likes Wisconsin. So not only is Wisconsin low in Ken Palm, but usually Wisconsin's higher than the bookmakers. So that's an interesting thing there. My two cents is I wouldn't have Wisconsin going too far, but you know, hey, on Wisconsin. USC is the seven seed taking on Miami. USC is a, is a one and a half point favorite. They have USC as the 42nd best team in Ken Palm's rankings, Miami the 62nd. You know, I'm flipping coins here on this one. I probably have one USC, one Miami. Wouldn't spend too much time on it. And then Auburn as the 15 and a half point favorite against Jacksonville State. Auburn, only the 10th best team in Ken Palm, but couple of years ago against Virginia, they got very unlucky to lose the, the final four games. So Bruce Pearl had some success, success at Tennessee, now having success at Auburn. This is a team that's kind of a little bit going under the radar. And I'll probably have at least one bracket that Auburn goes to the final four out of this one. And really a good way to look at it is if you look at their side, their bottom part of the Midwest, you've got the weakest three in Wisconsin. You've got a seven and a 10 that are, that are decent. They're in good conferences, but shouldn't be too scary. And then the sixth seed, LSU, kind of a question mark. So, you know, kind of look at those intangibles. That's why I'll have most likely Auburn going in one bracket and Kansas in the other. Chalk, chalk, yes, I know. But like we said, chalk pays the bills there, Rob. Anything before we get into our last bracket there, last region, I should say. No, I hit it. Now we go down south and we have Arizona as the one seed, 21 and a half point favorite against the play-in 16 team, which they are very unlikely to lose to. The 8-9 matchup is Seton Hall versus TCU. Both these teams are, are kind of mirror images of each other. Very defensive oriented, tough teams. They'll put up a fight against Arizona. I just think Arizona's got the athleticism and talent that'll eventually win out. But both coaches for Seton Hall and TCU are pretty good. So whoever wins that is going to give Arizona a battle. But Arizona will be reasonably favored in that one. Fifth seed, Houston. This is a team the analytics love. Analytics love and, and the nerds, or excuse me, the non-numbers people don't necessarily love. So they were a five seed despite being fourth in Ken Palm. Now, I don't think they're the fourth best team in basketball, but being ranked as a five seed has them in the 17 to 20 range. 
And I definitely think they're closer to probably the 10th, 9th or 10th range. So they're an eight-point favorite against UAB. UAB is actually a pretty interesting team, pretty decent top 20 offense, not as good of a defense, but definitely has some giant killer potential, can make some threes, can make a little bit of an upset bid here. And then you look at the four seed, which is Illinois. They're an eight-point favorite against Chattanooga. I think a potential way to, to exploit what we just talked about there with the, me liking the five, the 12 seeds is maybe you take Illinois to not make the Sweet 16. I don't think they'll necessarily beat Ch- or lose to Chattanooga, but I think whoever, either Houston or, or UAB, most likely being Houston, I think will give them a really good game. I think if Houston plays Illinois, Houston will be favored. UAB will obviously be an underdog to Illinois, but they'll be a live dog if they were to make that. On the other side of the bracket, other side of that region, we have Colorado State. The sixth seed is an underdog, an underdog to 11 seed Michigan. Nothing too scandalous about this. Colorado State was a team that probably should be more of an eight seed, but their sixth seed, Michigan Big Ten basketball program. Ken Palm has these two teams, Colorado State at 31, Michigan at 33. I think there's a fair price on this. Most people are going to see the 6-11 and just take the six. I'll probably have one Michigan, one Colorado State because it is Michigan, the name recognition on it. If you're in an upset pool, you should definitely do Michigan, though. But my favorite way to play this, because I don't think Colorado State or Michigan are either really that good, is Tennessee. So I'll be making a prop bet on Tennessee to make the Sweet 16 at the best price I can find. They're a 17-point favorite against Longwood. Ken Palm has them as the seventh best team. They play great defense, and Rick Barnes is a, is a great coach. The only thing kind of missing from his resume is a Final Four appearance. They lost last year to Oregon State, so hopefully they'll be ready. But like I said, I don't want to get too narrative-y as it really doesn't matter with those narratives. Everyone's going to be trying hard. Another really interesting first-round matchup is, is Ohio State with the seventh seed playing Loyola Chicago. So that's Sister Jean, who's 102 years old. Loyola Chicago's coach is younger than both of us, Rob. He's also Denzel Valentine's uh, older brother. I don't know if he still plays for the Bulls, but yeah. I'll probably have one for Ohio State here, one for Loyola. And then last but certainly not least, Villanova. They're the two seed playing Delaware. Villanova, the 11th best team. According to Ken Palm, Delaware, the 145th best team. That's a 15-point spread. If we are to look at who is to win this region, we have the number one team, Arizona, rightfully so, at about plus 177. So you put $100 down, you get 177 back. The second best odds are the three seed Tennessee, just above Villanova at plus 444. So you put $100 on Tennessee, you get 444 back. And then Villanova at plus 450. You put $100, you get 450 back. And then Houston is also there at plus 450. So it's really a tie between Tennessee, Houston, and Villanova. And then Illinois also at about eight to one. I think the best way to bet this, as I really do like Tennessee, but I also respect Villanova, Houston, and Illinois, is to take the no on Arizona to win the the region, especially where you're at, Rob. You should probably get a good price on that. Arizona's a really good team. I just think their region is kind of very difficult, and and we want to exploit that. Obviously shot for the best price on that, but I also like Tennessee to – Win the region, I'll probably have them in one bracket and probably Villanova just bang for your buck in another. If you want to get fancy, you can put Houston, but that's really up to you. I'll probably put Houston in in a bet, but probably have a little piece of Villanova and Houston and a bigger piece on Tennessee from a bet perspective, but I really like Tennessee to make the Sweet 16. 
Thoughts, feelings about anything that I've covered so far there, Rob? Yeah, what the fuck is Longwood? Yeah, yeah, I know. It's, it's a good question. I think that might be the team that's in Virginia. Could be wrong. But they're, they're going to get Longwooded by Tennessee in the first round. That's my only question today. And a head coach being younger than us, that's really fucked up. Messing with my head. I wonder if his salary is public. I'm going to go look it up. Loyola, Chicago, Illinois. That's a public institution, right? I don't think so. I think private no. Catholic. Oh, yeah, yeah, because they're, they're good at the economist shit, right? Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Longwood That's is in Chicago, actually. Oh, got it. Okay, well, whatever. That's where the modern portfolio theory and shit was born. Sounds, sounds expensive. Farmville, Virginia is where Longwood is. Oh, Farmville, right. That kind of got started with yeah. the Facebook game. Yeah, yeah they, the metaverse. <laughs> That's where they start the metaverse is out there in Farmville, Virginia. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Uh, obviously, I'm not giving out my Final Four and Championship picks. You guys need to use just them. do it, dude. Do one. You got to use do Gonzaga. One. Gonzaga, how about that? <laughs> I think that's cute. So Gonzaga is yeah. confirmed in the Final Four in at least one of your brackets. In the Final Four, oh, Gonzaga will definitely oh. be in the Final Four. <laughs> in, in, well, here's the strategy you might do. Well, I might do with Gonzaga. I don't know if I'm going to put them to win in one of my brackets or do the do the like kind of like barbell where. I have them in both of mine to make it to the final four, but have them losing in the final four and one and maybe losing the championship in the other. Like the one last year, it was the same scenario. I had one where Gonzaga was the champion and I had the other one where Baylor was the champion, and, but I had Gonzaga losing to Baylor in that championship. And that's what, that's what separated me. That was my differentiator. Mm. So, so yeah, so have some fun with it. I would set a timer like, Hey, I don't want to spend more than an hour on this. And then, you know, two and a half hours later, just say, all right, I've done enough. And then, you know, here's my picks and don't overthink it because you're most likely going to get it wrong. Have fun with it. Make plus EV decisions, but tiebreakers go with schools you've partied at and who you want to root for. And lose all your money. There you go. Enough said. We'll see you guys next month. Peace.